Good morning. A lot is going on in Donald Trump's world in court. And I thought, who better to have on the show than Danya Perry, my colleague who I work with now. And she represents Michael Cohen in several matters, but she just spent a couple of days in Judge Arthur and Goron's courtroom in New York State in the civil fraud case involving uh, Attorney General Letitia James, who's bringing the sweeping, sweeping allegations against Donald Trump, his kids, and others. So we thought we'd start the day with having Danya here. She's been here before to talk to us. Danya, tell us what you can tell us about everything going on, what it was like to be in the courtroom, et cetera. Well, the case has been going on for weeks, as you know. I uh, was there only this week, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, for the testimony of my client, Michael Cohen. He was on direct uh, a good chunk of the day on Wednesday, and then the the balance of the time he was on the stand, he was on cross. Uh, and there were various uh, breaks during the day for such things as a contempt hearing, <laughs> in which... Uh, just uh justice angoran found mr trump um in uh in contempt for having violated gag order so were you we, there for that so we weren't allowed to be you know there was also at, at the same time mr trump had been doing a little witness intimidation on the side against my client and so i didn't you know i had flagged that for for the government lawyers. What did it look like when you say, what did it mean he was doing witness intimidation? What was he doing? I mean, he's doing what he typically does. So look, you know, the first time I met Mr. Cohen was when uh, he was in solitary confinement, having been remanded there for, you know, having the audacity to write a book about Mr. Trump. Uh, so the the administration didn't want him to do that. So they they essentially threw him into prison. That's a whole side story. Um, but that was the first act of retaliation that that I encountered with, with Mr. Cohen. I represented him again when Mr. Cohen had the audacity to uh, testify as a witness in the grand jury. And then in March will be in, in trial court in the Manhattan District Attorney's criminal case against Mr. Trump. And a week after Mr. Trump was indicted in that case, Mr. Trump filed a $500 million retaliatory lawsuit against uh, Michael in that case, which has since been dismissed. And so all these things have their own, you yeah, know, but, but tell story. us why it was dismissed. I, I think, I think it's important to hear. Um, so we were pressing for discovery. So Mr. Trump was the plaintiff in that case, but was, you know, at all costs, trying to avoid our taking his deposition, and and in he was he was trying to avoid document production, and so we were in front of the judge a lot with discovery disputes. Finally, the judge thrice ordered him to appear for a deposition, and the last time, it you know, the judge said, you know, if you don't show up for this deposition, there will be sanctions, and so I prepared uh you know three times but we were ready to go i think it was one or two days beforehand rather than show up and be deposed i like to think you know by by me i think that that has to have been the real kicker but no i think he didn't want to be deposed 
Um, and so about two days before his scheduled deposition, he quote unquote voluntarily withdrew the entire lawsuit. So he self-dismissed that suit. Um, remains to be seen whether or not Mr. Cohen has his own remedies there and wishes to pursue some kind of countersuit so that we eventually get to take that deposition after all. Uh, but that's, you know, there are, there are some things between here and there, including that district attorney's uh, criminal case that is to be tried in, in March and for which Michael is, is going to serve as a trial witness. And so, uh, you know, getting back to the theme of witness intimidation, the night before Michael was to testify, he was served with a document subpoena by Mr. Trump's lawyers in that district attorney's office case, which, you know, the timing of which and the nature of the documents which were sought, you know, certainly have the whiff of, of intimidation. And then during his testimony, Mr. Trump was talking, giving press conferences about my client and, you know, posting about him. And so, you know, it's very much uh, a pattern of conduct here. But uh, on on Wednesday, yesterday, uh, what the judge was was really concerned about, what the topic of the day was, was really the intimidation by Mr. Trump against the judge's own law clerk. As, as, as extraordinary as that sounds to, to even say, Mr. Trump had been coming after the judge's principal law clerk who sits next to him, who consults with the judge, as is, you know, as happens in every courtroom in every courthouse in America, for whatever reason, Trump's team and he really took offense with her. They called her a second judge. They called her a partisan hack. They called her a lot of names. And he posted about her liberally, liberally, you know, probably the only time you use that word for him, but um, prodigiously, and also spoke about her again after the judge had once fined him or sanctioned him for having violated a gag order about, you know, speaking about the judge's clerks. And so he did it again yesterday. The judge put him on the stand, tested his credibility, found him not credible, and swiftly fined him $10,000. Uh, so we were not in that, in that courtroom because as the witness, you know, you're not there for proceedings that don't involve, you know, the witness or his his attorney. So we missed we missed some, but not all of the fireworks yesterday. There were, there were some others, including when Mr. Trump stormed out of court when he didn't like one of the judge's rulings. So were did. you there when that happened? Yeah, yeah. He stormed and so right he would tell us about it. He literally just did. He stood up and walked out. So Michael was testifying on cross. You know, I'll say um, I, I as his attorney, you know, I have many functions, but I'm not allowed to object. Um, that's, you know, the, the the party lawyers are supposed to do that. So I'm just squirming in my seat because every single question on cross-examination was improper in, in some way or other, you know, lacked authentication, lacked foundation, called for hearsay, assumed facts, not in evidence, um, did not, you know, did not, again, mostly they just didn't establish foundations or they misstated the prior testimony or they were so compound and misleading as to be virtually unanswerable, but the witness was required to answer with a yes or no, which was literally impossible in one of these meandering, winding questions. And so that's what was happening across examination. And uh, Michael was getting, you know, a little agitated 
when required to answer with a yes or no to a question that was simply not answerable in that way. And um, the defense was acting as though they had, this was the whole thing. The whole thing was a show. There was a lot of acting. There was just, it was a performance. Because again, the, the rules of evidence, the rules of civil procedure did not seem to apply. And so they would ask a terrible question and they would get a very ambiguous answer to that that probably wasn't responsive because the question again was not answerable and they would act as though they had won the case they would throw up their hands and say aha literally i mean i'm not exaggerating like i don't think they said gotcha but they might as well have so at one point mr trump answered a, a, a very complicated impossible to follow question in such a way that they thought they had got him so mr cohen mr cohen uh who was on the stand yeah Trump threw up his hands, all of the lawyers open and say, ah, we got it. And so the second he answered the question in that way, uh, one of the lawyers got up, Cliff Roberts, and said, Your Honor, we we demand a directed verdict. We've won this case. The whole thing falls apart. This is a sham. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but not much. He he requested a directed verdict in, in the middle of, of the case, which isn't something you do. It's like I was on MSNBC last night with Lisa Rubin. And we were joking. It was like uh, an L Woods moment where the whole courtroom erupts and the judge dismisses the case. I mean, it just doesn't, it's not real life. It's play acting. And the judge very swiftly and handily denied that motion, that non-motion. And Mr. Trump pounded the table, literally. I know it's like a trope, you know, that you say about lawyers, like, pound the table. He Objection. Yeah. <laughs> You're out of order. Exactly. Uh, he uh and he just stormed out, you know, and 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 you know, his team and and all the secret service and you know was required to kind of scramble and and chase after him, but you know, he was red in the face, he was furious. He, you know, he said something or other that I couldn't quite capture like this is ridiculous or this is a lie or you know something and went out and gave a little impromptu press conference about how he just won the case um, and left. Uh, so do you remember what the question was that prompted all of this? It, it, I, I will try and tell you, but again, it, it was, it was an impossible question. They were, so <laughs> Mr. Cohen had testified on direct uh, as, as he has since his congressional testimony in 2019, where he first said, this was the way the Trump organization worked was that Mr. Trump would kind of arbitrarily come up with a number that he wanted the world to think was his, his worth, you know, was, was his, his net worth. And so he would pluck that number out of thin air or his own head. And he was like, okay, this year I wanted to be 8 billion or $9 billion. And same. And, and Mike, <laughs> don't we all, um, but he was able to have his minions kind of come up with 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 that number and they would they would pick various asset classes and back into them and say okay so trump park avenue we're going to say that's i'm making numbers up now because I, that's yeah that's how this whole why not he works. did <laughs> that's that's how it works there you just well, make I'll it up a billion dollars you know for mar-a-lago or you know 1.5 for seven springs golf course and so that's what Mr. Cohen and Mr. Weisselberg and others were kind of tasked with doing. 
they understood that that's what the boss was asking for. He wants $9 billion. That's not what he was worth. So how do you come up with that? You inflate numbers. Uh, a lot of this was just kind of understood. Like, it's not like, you know, Mr. Trump would say, okay, go to Seven Springs and instead of valuing it at $500 million, value it at $800 million. He didn't have to. You know, it was understood by his minions that that's what he was saying to do when he said, oh, I'm worth $8 billion, when really the books reflected that he was worth two or, you know, whatever. Again, the numbers don't really matter because they're all, you know, picked out of thin air. And so he testified about that on direct, as, as he has, you know, said consistently. In his cross, Alina Haba, who, who did most of the cross-examination, um, pointed to a single line in a very long congressional deposition that Mr. Cohen gave in 2019, where he said, you know, there's a direct question that said, like, were you told or were you specifically told to inflate the numbers for the stand, the statements of financial condition, which are just, you know, the the synopsis, really the summary of of Mr. Trump's fake net worth? And he answered no, essentially. There was some hanging of it, no. Uh, and that was on cross. And that was their big gotcha moment. Aha. So he didn't ask you to do that. And oh, so you lied. It was either he didn't ask you to do that or you lied to the Senate or to the, to the congressional committee. Um, but they, you know, it was always a yes or no question. There's always also a lot of confusion about what they're talking about, you know, whether they're talking about congressional testimony or, or other statements he made or his courtroom testimony on direct or on cross, they just wouldn't point to it. And again, they cherry picked this one line out of a lengthy record because he had given a deposition on one day in February of 2019. And the next day he testified at length in, in a public hearing. And so, so that's what they did. And then um, there was redirect where, 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 where Mr. Cohen, oh wait, I may be getting the sequence out of order, but at, at some point, you know, he did testify. Uh, and now it was Cliff Roberts who was, who was on cross-examination he, he got him to sound like he was saying that he had not, in fact, inflated the numbers, which is contrary to the whole body of everything he said. Um, but there was one line in that congressional testimony when, take, when taken completely out of context, without other words on the exact same page, almost looked like that's what he was saying. And so that's when they had this big aha moment, requested this fake, you know, directed verdict, the judge, I mean, essentially laughed at them. He said, he he's very emphatically said, no, he said, absolutely not. And that's when Mr. Trump, you know, stormed off in, in a red-faced huff. And then on redirect, of course, you know, the assistant- I think it was orange. It was- <laughs> An orange-faced huff. Fire today. <laughs> <laughs> um, on redirect, the assistant AG, you know, pointed him to the rest of the page and he explained exactly what he meant, which was, you know, Mr. Trump never turned to him and say, look at Seven Springs and inflate it from 500 million to 800 million. It's not the way it worked. There was, and he, he, as he often has in the past, compared it to kind of a mafia family where you don't say, you know, go, go kill so-and-so. It's like, it'd be great if that guy weren't around anymore. 
Um, and they, and within the family, they all understand exactly what that means. And that's consistent with everything Michael has ever said. So there was no aha moment. There was no gotcha moment. There certainly was no basis for a directed verdict as, as justice and Corin, um, very, you know, easily found, but it was enough, you know, to send the, the defendant into, into a blind rage and out of the courtroom. And Michael's done. He's not testifying there anymore. He's done. He's off the he's off the stand. Uh, as I said, mid testimony, he received a subpoena in the next case, the the criminal matter from the and defense so, lawyers. From the defense lawyers. So we're we're you know we're moving on to that without much. What time are they to- What are they seeking? Can you say? Yeah, I haven't yet because it came you know mid trial, and we were really you know kind of. Um, on the seat of our pants that we, we, I have, I've looked at it. Of course, it's outrageous. Uh, it's highly quashable <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm sure there are other, other, um, remedies we could seek. I just haven't even really, you know, spent the time yet. That's what I'll do over the course of the next day or so. Yeah. I'm I mean, sure just the, the timing it's so clear is to intimidate that he would serve him with that on the eve of testifying in court, right? And and Trump didn't have to be there. He chose to be there to intimidate. I, I think it's to intimidate him. I, I see no other. I, I Yes, I, I would agree. And certainly there was a lot of, you know, glowering and in, in Michael's general direction. And, you know, they caught eyes a few times and, and there was a lot of, you know, wild gesticulations and you know, and in fact, um, you know, that that dramatic turn when he stormed out of the courtroom. Um, yeah, look, the timing is always, they don't even pretend, you know, like I said, Trump filed his $500 million lawsuit within a week or so of, of, of the, the Danny, uh, indictment. And here, you know, he was indicted. Trump was indicted back in April, I believe in that case. And so why he waits till the eve of trial with this lengthy, burdensome, totally inappropriate, uh, subpoena that was served directly on Michael, which is also highly unusual. I mean, he's he also has counsel, and um, you know the Trump team knows that. I was sitting right there in courtroom, so you know there was a lot that was improper about it, and so I just have to you know consider the options. But it will certainly involve you know at least a motion to quash. I, I have one question, um, and I so appreciate you taking the time to tell us all of this. But how did how did um... Did Trump ever try to assert attorney-client privilege and say Michael can't testify? No, he didn't. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't. Yeah, but no, what? it's a it's a it's a good question, um, especially because that was one of the premises of the five hundred five hundred million dollar lawsuit he had filed is that Michael is, you know, invading attorney-client privilege. Um, but then, you know, his his own attorneys are asking those very questions of Michael on the witness stand. So, um, you know, I, I think there's, and it really hasn't been litigated, but there's, there are, you know, some well-known exceptions to attorney client privilege that, you know, of course, but right. Like crime fraud exception um, clearly applies, but but why, but, but you'd still raise it and make the judge rule on it. Like, well, there was, um, there was a ruling. Well, let me say, um, before we got involved, there was a ruling, I believe, with respect to another attorney that work on the valuation aspect of of of, of the business 
which is what all of this was, was not a legal function. It was a business function. If that, you know, really it was just like, <laughs> uh, you know, magic and <laughs> plucking, you know, rabbits out of hats. Um, and Michael did testify on direct that he was functioning not, not as a lawyer, but as a member of the Trump, you know, business team, I suppose. So I, I think that's how that was dealt with. And truly, I actually don't believe there were any real confidences. There were any confidences that were. Of course, but, but they make so many other frivolous motions. Yeah. I just am surprised yeah. they missed that one, yeah. at least trying, right? Maybe they're hoping for a second bite of the apple, you know, in that lawsuit that they brought against against Michael. I, I don't I, ha, I have no idea, but I would argue but they've waived it at this point by asking. Of course, yeah, about. I agree. So I think um, so too. It's it's hard when you try and get in their heads to 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 kind of perceive any form of legal strategy going on. You're in you're in crazy town. You you just it, it's impossible. And I don't mean to be as disrespectful as as that sounds. I sat there for two days, and and I mean there was a lot that went on that was high drama and that was even shocking. You know some of the moments we just talked about, but mostly as like you know, just a practitioner, I, I was just floored by the, by the lack of, first of all, courtroom civility, decorum, but also just the way that the, that, that the rules that apply to all lawyers um, did, did not seem to apply. You know, every once in a while, really sporadically, someone would, you know, come to their senses, rise to their feet and say, wait a minute, that's hearsay. Well, really, you just let in 10 other exhibits exactly like that. That's from the exact same problem. So, yeah, I don't I don't try and get in their heads and understand why they do what they did or didn't do what they haven't done. Wow, that's crazy. You know, it's funny. I I had never understood the strategy of a defense attorney who's like cross on cross examination saying that was a yes or no question. Only answer yes or no, because. As a prosecutor, what I would do on redirect is I'd stand if if the if the witness is trying to get something out. I mean, what I would just stand. Say? Yeah, exactly. I'd stand up and say, when when you were asked, you know, that question, and they wouldn't let you finish answering. It seemed like there was something you wanted to say. What was it? And it all comes out anyway. So, yeah. you know, it's an and art. That's exactly what happened here on on that you know the congressional testimony. So, as much as they you know like to, you know, turn around and, and pose, you know, posture. Um, it was all, you know, it was all just for show because that was completely rehabilitated. If you want to even call it that, um, on, on redirect in the first question or two. So, um, I agree. You know, there was a lot of that and there was a lot of, I mean, a lawyer would be kicked out of certainly a federal court, most, most courtrooms for the kind of the, the incivility and every single time Michael would answer a question, you know, Alina Habo would say, oh, I thought so. Or, oh, isn't that telling? And there was always some commentary from her, some speech about the testimony. I mean, that just doesn't, it doesn't happen for no, good. You're not, yeah. You're not, you're not allowed to editorialize. It wasn't a jury to do that for. And I think Ju- Justice Ngoran just kind of was over, you know, I, I don't think it was affecting him. And so he didn't, every once in a while, he'd say like, okay, all right, let's not do that. But it was every, you know, it was it was every question. And, you know, I think she thought she was making some headway and, and putting Michael like on his heels. He was very calm. I think, you know, he he got what 
she was doing and just wasn't falling for it. So, you know, it was just like a, a waste of a lot of air. Wow. Well, it's got to be, it had to have been really intense. It, it was pretty intense. Um, you know, it's kind of fun. It was like the, the court was full, um, you know, with, with different characters, you know, and all these different, there was, there was a nice coterie from the DA's office. Um, the attorney general herself was sitting in the front row and, you know, at one point as a kind of a joke, like objected, because there was something direct, you know, directed at her, you know, so all of, you know, Trump's criminal attorneys were there, some of whom I, I know. And, you know, so it was, it was, uh, it was, it was an, an interesting uh, gathering, right? There were, and it was also interesting, it was the first time Mr. Trump has taken the stand. And certainly the first time that there has been a credibility finding about him, this one, an adverse one. Um, That's a great so, point, because he's been deposed. Been deposed. I, but this I, is the I first the time. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they're sitting there during Michael Cohen's testimony saying, ah, he's, he's perjuring himself. He's a liar. No credibility findings against him, but there was against, you know, their client. Um, and so it was, it was quite a turn of events. Um, I mean, I think people, we need to really punctuate how unusual it is in the middle of a trial, in the middle of testimony for a judge to demand that the defendant take the stand, right? And have to be sworn under oath and then to find him not credible. I mean, it was right? like you and I have been practicing for a long time. Have you ever seen that? Never, never seen it. And, and, and you know, and that's in part because, you know, we rarely see gag orders, right? Because defendants usually act in their own self-interest, their own best interest and don't do stupid stuff like that. This is um, barely a gag order. This is don't. Yeah. Threaten my court my staff. Law clerk. Yeah, so have you ever seen that happen? Exactly. Someone threaten a member of you know the the the, the staff like it doesn't happen. Let alone more than once. So he'd been warned, and when he made the statement, the offending statement that got him, you know, the second sanction, he had this little impromptu press conference right, you know, outside the courtroom, and his lawyers were standing right by his side, and. You know, it, it's it's crazy. I think, you know, we've heard a lot of testimony in the past couple of days about Michael Cohen's role as Trump's personal lawyer and how he just got, you know, became such a true believer, so invested with with you know the work and the ethos, if you want to call it that, um, of the Trump organization of Mr. Trump himself. He would do whatever it took. You know, he really was a lackey, a stoolie, and it, it there was a mob culture. And they would they would do anything. And it was kind of surreal. And at least Ruben and I, you know, talked about this and she she's made the point. But but I felt it very acutely, kind of surreal to see Alina Hubba. She's the new Michael Cohen, you know. She she sat there next to Mr. Trump when he's making a statement that she had to have known violated the judge's gag order and that they were going right back into the judge's courtroom and that he would find out you know, instantaneously about it. And she just let him do it. And and so I think, you know, when you have lawyers who, who cannot control their own client, um, you have a client who's out of control and who would do things that are really against his own. But then interest. they go on record and they lie on his behalf and say, oh no, he was referring to Michael Cohen. There's no 
that that just strains credulity and the judge found that there's no way that that's what he was referring to i mean i mean when he's, he's when he's about talking michael about michael cohen he has no problem talking exactly right he yeah. knows very well how to how to go after him in a very focused directed way yeah. and he did it in that very same statement he said you know michael cohen's a lying liar and then he then he turned to the judge and his clerk so exactly there was no ambiguity not uh, at all and his uh, lawyers would lie. It's one thing to not be able to control your client, but then, but then to go into court and lie on his on his behalf is, you know, that's you're actually you. Yes, you have to. You have a duty to your client, but you also have a duty to the court first and foremost. You can never lie, and if you know your client's lying, you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to put forth that lie. I mean, it's just outrageous. Look, Michael Cohen went to prison for it. And now you have an, a long line of attorneys who are. What know, is it about Trump? He's like a cult leader. Seriously. That, I mean, that's how Michael describes it. He uh, alternatively as like, a, you know, a mafia boss, but mostly as a cult leader, you know, that people truly drink the the Kool-Aid that he must have this. Mag- I mean, look, you know, there there's it's not just his immediate, you know, group of of, of you know, cronies. It's 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 a good chunk of. Yeah. You know. American society, they, they, they see something. Um, and it's, it's, it's a fascinating, it's just absolutely fascinating. It's, it's hard for those of us who haven't drunk it to see, but, um, it's certainly real and you've got, you know, it, you've got a long line of I mean, hundreds now of January 6th rioters who are going to prison for it. And you see many, many attorneys, you know, um, who worked for him, who lied for him, who committed crimes for him, who are now facing the same consequences as Michael Cohen. And and let's see where Alina Haba finds herself in a couple of years. I mean, as, as, as some people say, MAGA stands for make attorneys get attorneys. <laughs> so that's apt, very apt. That's what the hats stand for. Yeah. <laughs> well, a- any final words that you can think of anything else we missed? I missed asking you about. Um, How's Michael doing? He's great. You know, he, he, look, (laughs) I've known him for a long time and um, because I've represented him in in so, you know, many different fora and I've, you know, I've, I've read all of his books. I've read his congressional testimony. You know, I've listened to his podcast. He has been remarkably consistent, you know? Um, And so he, he was telling the truth. And so that usually makes testimony, relatively simple um yeah it's and, always hard and, to remember the lies right yeah exactly but when you when you've been saying the same thing over and over i mean he testified on direct exactly the same way he did on cross now on cross they acted like they had you know had this fantastic breakthrough like they they you know they got him to admit you know about his lies but those are the exact same things yeah he lied to, to Congress and he pled guilty to that. And he said that on direct. So when they're like, so, so you admit that, that you perjured yourself, you know, and you, uh, yes, I just did. And I have, you know, for four years now. Um, so he was, he was fine. You know, it's, 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 I've never been in the hot seat. Um, I hope never to be, I'm sure it's unpleasant in, in some ways. And he's, you know, there's been a lot of, of, of drama and, and vitriol, you know, directed towards him and his family. You know, we had a lot of security around us because he's had real threats made against him. So, and on the other, on the other side, 
he's gotten no benefit. <laughs> he's, you know, he's one of the few people who were prosecuted, who served time. He was not immunized or given any other benefit for his testimony yesterday. The attorney general didn't even prepare him for this. So they didn't meet with him. They just put him Why? on. I think they didn't want, you know, any insinuation from the other side that he's, you know, he's, he's been prepared or rehearsed or. Have you ever not prepared a witness when you ever, 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 ever. not one single time. It was shocking. Absolutely shocking to me. So I prepared him, but I don't have a lot of documents. He was shown. He hadn't seen it since 2013, you know, it it was, it was remarkable that I'm sure there was a good strategic reason for them, but it, it, it was very uncomfortable um, for him. And they also didn't apparently want to object a lot so there was stuff or questions that um, implicated various privileges, you know, marital privilege. I think his own attorney-client privilege that might have implicated, you know, his Fifth Amendment rights um, that were that were inappropriate questions. And I think they wanted to make a point, and so they largely sat in their seats. And Michael had to, you know, being well prepared, he actually lobbed in most of his own objections. You know, that's that's inappropriate. That assumes fact, not evidence. That's been asked and answered. I mean, it was remarkable. Wow. Because, you know, I was wondering why he was doing all of that when I read it, because, you know, witnesses aren't supposed to do that. But I had no idea that the attorney general's office was not preparing him and not objecting. It sounds like they wanted to just be kind of like he is who he is. We're not we're not getting in bed with him one way or the other, just like we're calling defendants. And other witnesses were just putting it all out there, Judge, for you to see. But still, that's that's kind of, you know. It was very uncomfortable that I, you know, I, I, I could neither object for him nor count on anyone to object on his behalf. So that so I, you know, admittedly prepped him to 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 self-object. And and he he did wow. a Good job. Good for um, him. One other question, though. You mentioned taking the fifth. I mean, he testified under oath the last couple of days about the asset valuation issue, and there's still an open criminal investigation at the Manhattan DA's office on that. Did yeah. he take the fifth on any of that, or is he was he concerned about that? Or were you concerned as I his was lawyer? Concerned about that. Um, so I, he just brought me in. He did not have a criminal defense attorney um, uh, on his team. He didn't, you know, he, he really was uh, largely unrepresented. He had, a, you know, a friend who was with him for his deposition, but who's not, you know, this is not his his area. And so he already kind of was in the soup, like, and this I think goes to, he is being truthful because he put himself in real harm's way. I mean, um, so already in the deposition, you know, he, before I came in, he had said what he'd said. Right. And so I got in and I felt my job was to, just to try and protect him as much as I could. Um, I think he took a chance. I think it's highly unlikely he'll be prosecuted among other reasons because of the passing of time the statute of limitations has expired largely, but um, certainly taking, taking a chance and, you know, I, I think that's, you know, to his credit, that was not brought out for reasons I don't understand. Um, but but I think it really uh, punctuates, you know, it, the, the, the real risk, um, you know, from a security perspective 
And from a prosecution perspective, I mean, who knows, you know, if there's a new, if, if, if Trump wins reelection, will he, you know, I, I think Michael Cohen, you know, it, it could really be in harm's way. I truly, I, I truly worry about that, but I think he'll open up a deal. He'll have DOJ prosecute him for, for these crimes, just to a vindictive prosecution. I, I, I don't even want to let my mind go there. You know, I think Trump has, has, has forecast, right. That, that some of his enemies, you know, are going to be scrutinized. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm deeply concerned about that in general. Um, you know, someone who, who is actually willing to, to say that out loud, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's just a, horrifying, terrifying thought in a functioning democracy um, t- to go after, you know, one's perceived enemies. Um, but, you know, it has happened to Michael before. Um, so I'm, I, I would, I would be concerned about that. But Michael was willing to testify. He was subpoenaed, right? He didn't, you know, um, but he, he could have, he didn't invoked, take the fifth. Yeah. Could have invoked and he didn't. Wow, so. that's incredible. Well, thank you, Danya. We're so, so lucky to have you give us this insider view of all of of all things, but in particular, this uh, attorney general case and Michael Cohen. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Karen Friedman Agnifilo, Legal AF. Join us every Wednesday and Saturday with my co-host, Michael Popak and Ben Micellis. <laughs>